You must tell me all your secrets. Remember, we must share everything together. Again, this is Annie Rose Malamut, and you're listening to Girls, Guts, and Giallo. I'm here today with Donica Uskert talking about one of my all-time favorite films I've wanted to do since the po- I started the podcast, uh, In the Realm of the Senses. Uh, and Donica, hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, Donica, can you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do, what you're all about. You look amazing, by the way. They can't see that, but I needed everybody to know. (laughs) Thank you so much. Um, Well, I'm a mixed-race Asian-American video and performance artist, and my work has screened at Porn Film Festival Berlin, Porn Film Festival Vienna, Volt Festival in the UK, and some other international venues. I was also an executive producer on um, a queer Filipino-American home for the holidays, dark comedy directed by H.P. Mendoza called Bitter Melon. Um, I'm an associate producer of the documentary I Know Catherine on the late Catherine Coulson of Twin Peaks fame. Um, what else have I got going on? Oh, I'm the editor-in-chief of Film and Fishnets, filmandfishnet.com, which is a sex and cinema blog. And... Let's see. I have a graphic novel with um, trans illustrator Annie Mock called Unsustainable about um, an obsessive romantic relationship. Amazing. Uh, Yeah. Very apropos. (laughs) And I'm also, my day job is I'm a sex educator and manager at Hustler Hollywood. So amazing. Oh my God. You're, that's, your dog Elvira in the background who's very cute um you're really fucking cool and (laughs) I'm really excited to have you on to talk about this movie 
Thank you. I'm excited to be on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so let's talk about in the realm of the senses. Uh, before we get into the the film, I wanted to ask you when what you what is your relationship to this movie? When did you first see it, and what did you feel about it when you first saw it? So, I first saw this film in grade school for better or worse and I think it uh shaped my romantic yearnings since then but um as far as my connection to the film I'm very interested in the historical case the actual historical case and I feel a very deep connection with Avisada because both of us were raped at 15 and we kind of chose to go into sex work after that because we were both dealing with um, the conventional morality associated with our upbringing and we both felt sort of rejected from the mainstream so yeah that's thank you for sharing that Um, I am a rape survivor and former sex worker as well. So I deeply, deeply relate to this story on that level. Um, And yeah, I'm just really thrilled that I get to talk about it with somebody who has that similar experience (laughs) to me. And I think, um, yeah, this is a really, I mean, it's a hard movie, but it's also a really beautiful meditation on desire and love. Uh, And I think I first saw this movie. I don't even remember when I first saw this movie, but I was just immediately like in love with it, in love with the performances, in love with the film language. Um, And it inspired me to look more into specifically Japanese sex cinema. Um, So before we get into this film specifically, I wanted to talk a little bit about Japanese sex cinema. Um, And I'm getting the bulk of my knowledge from the book Behind the Pink Curtain by Jasper Sharp. Um, I think I have that. I have it. <laughs> amazing. Yeah, it's a really gorgeous book. It's like a complete history of Japanese sex cinema. And they've, they've got, he's got like full color photos in here from a lot of films that don't exist any, anymore, um, which is really amazing. So Japanese sex cinema uh, arises in the mid 1960s. It's born out of... Um, there, there were, you know, uh, the so-called eroduction genre in Japan, where there was uh, kind of, you know, erotic films with this like educational safe sex bent on it. And it's not until the mid 1960s that there starts to be this uh, more experimental, politically driven genre of sex cinema, which is born out of the a culmination of political and cultural circumstances like the rise of um modernism in japan post-world war ii um communism and the american and european experimental films of the 1960s uh, many of which are inspired by japanese avant-garde cinema um so they're very much in conversation with each other 
And there's I because I was I was under the impression that like all Japanese sex cinema is considered pink film. Um, but a pink film is actually what I learned from this book is that a pink film is actually a very specific kind of Japanese sex film, um, which like is characterized by low budget um it's their art house films made specifically by politically progressive directors that combine sex and experimental film take filmmaking techniques to comment on uh larger political issues and then there's the uh the roman porno series by the production company nikatsu which was very much inspired by the success of pink films and those are high budget pornographic films, uh, softcore pornographic films, just because of the Japanese censorship laws around actually showing hardcore sex. Um, And those are high-budget films with elaborate sets. Um, And then there's films that are kind of outliers, like the one that we're talking about today, which uh, in the book, Jasper Sharp calls them Eros International films, which were made by Japanese directors, but typically distributed by European production companies, uh, such as Gala, that allowed directors to make racier films than Japanese censorship would allow. So pink films work within the confines of Japanese censorship laws. Um, This film does not uh, because it doesn't have to because it was distributed by a European company. Um, Japanese sex films were quite popular over in Europe um, because of, I mean, Europeans love their porn, but also because of very Orientalist views of Eastern sexuality and exoticism that allowed for these films to enjoy popularity um, because that is how the viewers imagined Japan to be anyway. So it was kind of, it was very like titillating for these viewers. Um, The history of Japanese sex films released in the US, um, those films are better preserved um, because porn auteurs uh, loved them and preserved them like Radley Metzger um, and his company Autobahn which released and preserved a few Japanese sex films so now that we've now that I've talked a little bit about that background um, let's talk about the production of In the Realm of the Senses so this film comes out in 1976 it's directed by uh, Nagisa Oshima um, starring Aiku Matsuda as Abasada and Tatsuo Fuji, Fugi as Kichi. Um, and there's, I wanted to also, some people that get left out a lot when talking about the production are the music, the, the composer Minoru Miki, and the costume designer Masahiro Keto and Shigemasa Tota. Um, I wanted to point that out because this film would not be what it is without the music and the costuming. Um, Nagisa Oshima is one of the more famous directors of the era. And he based this film on the actual um, case of Abasada. And I was wondering, um, Donica, if you wanted to talk a little bit about that case and what what happened there 
Well, what I find pretty interesting is how closely the film follows the the record of her interrogation. Much of the dialogue is directly from the report. Um, so, I mean, it doesn't really deviate much from what happened in the film. We had a, a woman, Abisada, who was a waitress at a restaurant who had an affair with her employer. She had also, she was also a sex worker. They had a very torridly passionate love affair and she was very, very obsessed with him and she couldn't bear to part with him or think of him leaving her to return to his wife. So, um, while they were in the middle of their tryst, their their sex and their play had become increasingly BDSM oriented, and um, he Kichi got injured during the play. Um, he was on some sedatives, and one night while he was on a lot of sedatives, she asphyxiated him and cut off his penis, and then went around carrying it with her until she was caught. So, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and it's the story has been adapted a few times by a few different directors. Um, Nagisa Oshima specifically was a very um, vocal critic of state control, not just film censorship. Um, in the realm of the senses, um, it's commonly believed that Oshima was prosecuted for obscenity because of the film, but he was actually prosecuted for the book containing the script, which also had twin, those these full, beautiful, glossy, full color stills in it. Um, it, it was shot at, um, I believe you pronounce it, Dai Studios in Kyoto with an all Japanese cast, but the film was a French funded production. So the film stock was imported from France, um, and the unexposed, obscene, quote unquote, obscene footage uh, was filmed by Oshima and shipped back to Europe for processing. Um, so basically, the story, the, the, the way that this film got made is uh, Oshima, he, he went on these various trips to the Cannes Film Festival, and he meets European producer Anatoly Doman, and Doman had his own company, Argos Films which produced, quote-unquote, literary cinema, <laughs> uh, which is basically specialized in the work of producing auteurs, specifically erotic films. I have a quote from Oshima here where he says, it was the end of the summer of 1972. I stopped over in Paris on the way home from the Venice Film Festival where I had taken Dear Summer Sister, another one of his films. Domen suddenly came out with it in the anteroom of a small private showing room called Club 70. Let's collaborate on a film, a co-production, a porno. I'll leave the content and the actual production all to you. I'll pay for it. That's all. <laughs> um, Doman says that he never said the word pornographic, <laughs> but like, who cares? He already produced, he produced the film Immoral Tales, which is... I love that movie. I love that film, too. <laughs> it's so gorgeous. And it's porn. <laughs> and that's what he was known for. Um, Oshima was having difficulty finding funding in Japan for his transgressive cinema. So he jumped on the opportunity. He wrote two treatments. Um, but the one that Doman opted for was the one 
on based on the Abasada case, which you've summarized for us. Um, the incident was very shocking, but something I found interesting was that Sada actually received a great deal of public sympathy. <laughs> what I love, there's like this fantastic detail of how much, like, I mean, people were already in awe even before um, the transcript was released to the public. The cops waited for her to put on her makeup before they took her to the station. They let her put on a full face in, in all of the photos in the newspapers. She's smiling with the cops. Like, oh my God, what a queen. Yeah. <laughs> Obsessed. <laughs> I mean, just so much like, sex worker feelings like she's got you got to put on your makeup before you yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um and she her impoverished background kind of made her this sympathetic character um the intense affair between sada and kichi which was conducted openly in front of his wife um Jasper Sharp says in this book that it might have been seen as this equal union between a man and a woman, a moment of liberation played out in a realm wholly indifferent to the chauvinistic apparatus of a society in which many women are essentially little more than chattel. Um, So he believes that that's why this resonated so much with people. Um, Sada was mythologized as a source of fascination and danger to men while also becoming some something of a feminist icon. Uh, Oshima said that Sada's name is so popular in Japan that it suffices to pronounce it um, to touch on the most serious sexual taboos. It is quite natural that a Japanese artist would want to dedicate this work to that marvelous woman. <laughs> so this film is very much kind of a like a tribute and a love letter to her. Um, and have you seen the Noburu Tanaka film, A Woman Called Sada Abba? I have not, no. Okay, so that pre, it's a precursor to In the Realm of the Senses. Um, it's very, it's much more restrained. It's much more kind of like in that Nikatsu Roman porno uh, tradition. And but Tanaka has was very kind of peeved that his film did not receive the uh, recognition that Oshima's did. Um, I know that the issue with that film, or at least for Oshima, was that because they had cast a famous uh, pink film star as the lead, she brought her whole background to it. And he felt I mean, he so desperately wanted to cast an unknown because I mean, who was Abisada before she was before she received notoriety? No one, basically, in the eyes of Japanese society. So he wanted somebody who could emulate that, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and the, in many respects, the film can be described as an anti-Roman porno film. Um, it took over three years to reach the screen, which is a really lengthy period of pre-production and planning and rigorous rewrites, while the average Roman porno would have been like scripted shot and in cinemas in a matter of weeks. Um, Tanaka's film was rarely screened outside of Japan, which is not the case for Oshima's. Uh, Oshima there's a critical difference between his film and the the Roman porno of this era. Um, the majority of Nikatsu's Roman porno films, they the, they take on sex, and this is this is what Oshima said. Um, 
they they take on sex and they have themes that that are related to adolescent rebellion but sex is merely the seasoning this old method has been used for a long time it is precisely why these films are attractive to superficial critics and young film buffs so the the way that in the realm of the senses differs from these is that it rejects a voyeuristic male gaze um it has a very female gaze yes absolutely he he tries very hard to depict that. I know that um, I believe in your notes you mentioned there are many female voyeurs. There are yes. so many, yes. so many teachers and maids peep in on on the sex acts when they happen and saw to herself before she starts her affair with Kichi, sees him fucking his wife on multiple occasions. Yes. So and it's erotic like she's turned on by it and wants him and you you're in her her position you're not in his position um and the film is whereas the roman porno of this era the pink films of this era use sex as symbolism this film is about sex like the sex is not symbolic it is it is the the plot it is what it is uh which i part of why i love this movie um, and aside from Kichi, there are very few men in the world of this film. Um, I thought I just wanted to mention that the title is a direct reference to Roland Barthes' book, uh, his book *Empire of Signs*, which was published in 1970 about his journeys in Japan, trying to understand the culture. Um, Oshima, just like in that book, Oshima tries to convey the non-conveyable about Japanese sexuality in culture through film language and symbolism. Um, the word empire translated from French to realm um, for the English title also has its, the, its connotation, connotations of hearkening back to the era in which the film is set. Um so the main actors did not appear in Roman porno films, like you were saying. That was unusual at the time. But they did both kind of fade into obscurity after In the Realm of the Senses. And a good portion of the rest of the cast w- were familiar names in the adult film industry. Um, the, it was also produced by Koji Wakamatsu, who was a famous pink film director. Um the film played in a heavily censored version in its theatrical release in Japan in 1976, but still caused a huge scandal. Um, its very existence was an affront to the assumed mores and social codes of the Japanese that the censors were there to protect. Um, and it had been in pa- pa- released in Paris where it played unedited because hardcore porn had just been legalized in France, April 26, 1975. Of course, tourist season. (laughs) Soon there were stories of Japanese tourists traveling to Paris to watch this film uncut. Uh, The film was confiscated from the projection room by the police during the 1976 Berlin Film Festival and was banned before it was scheduled, before its scheduled U.S. premiere at the New York Film Festival um, and it was later released uncut and was very popular in various cities that were part of the Japanese tourist itinerary in the U.S. So, and then it also was banned in, in London for a while um, until it was awarded uh, in 1991 there. 
and uh, Oshima was acquitted of obscenity charges in 1982. So very illustrious history this film has. Um, so let's let's talk about the plot. This film opens very crazy scene <laughs> with Sada at this new in job being molested by another woman there uh, who works at the inn. And I, I guess I wanted to ask you, and she says, like, don't you like women? Um, go ahead. I was going to say Sada doesn't protest, though. I mean, she kind of uh, acquiesces to to the groping. So, yeah, she's she's seen some shit. (laughs) Um, I kind of wanted to ask you, I don't know what I think about it, but how do you what do you make of this opening? If anything, I honestly, I didn't think too much of it because as as a former sex worker, I know I've, I've experienced camaraderie with fellow sex workers, and sometimes there are no boundaries, and we get close, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just that's how I viewed the scene because right. the other woman is like, oh, you know, I've I've always admired I admire you ever since you got here. You're so elegant and all of this stuff, and so it's just a little friendly flirtation between the girls you know and it's also kind of sets up the film to be very much in this women's world that men are not really part of um and that's when she the the other woman takes sada to spy on the innkeeper kichi and his wife having sex and there's also this like beautiful snowy japanese landscape i love how much snow there is in this film um I wanted to talk about the first sex scene and the kind of like general tenor of it, because this is a film where the sex scenes are very important. Um, And it's very much like we've been saying, focused on women's pleasure. It's like there's this close up on Sada's face while she's watching and she's like really horny. Her lip is trembling, all of the stuff to signify she's so into it. Yes. Like yeah. yeah. And something that struck that always strikes me about the way that Kichi has sex too is like he's totally like I don't he's just he's he loves women in this way. Like he's very kind of like do whatever you want with me, but also like I can take control when I need to. Um, and I, you kind of see that in this scene. What were you going to say? I like that throughout the film, he's very concerned with um, the pleasure of his female partners. It's always like, you know, is this good for you? Yes. Let's- I'm blah 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 this the pleasurable there's a lot of um what I like about all of the sex scenes is there's a lot of conversation around consent like things are suggested before they're done right and uh, oh wait are we frozen hello oh I can hear you and see you but oh sorry I, okay sorry there was a glitch no you're fine. um but yeah before anything gets too extreme or even before anything happens there's always some discussion i feel or or um things are moved in too slowly i also really appreciate the use of touch in the film there's so much 
they're in constant contact, Sada and Hichi. He's always touching her. I think that's very beautiful and a like a really fantastic way to demonstrate like how how intimate they were, you know? Yeah. And in this first sex scene too, it's like all of the like he's being bathed by his wife and all of the sex is initiated by her and it's just very very much sets the tenor for all of the sex scenes. So a group of uh, geishas from the inn, including um, Sada Abba, they're out doing errands and cracking dirty jokes. And they run into a group of kids poking an old passed out drunk's genitals. And there's this like look of recognition on Sada's face. And the old drunk recognizes her and um, a as a sex worker and accosts her and the other women like kind of throw him off. Um, he says he was a former customer and he tries to offer her money uh, and she pushes him off. And it's kind of like showing that um, Sada is kind of moving up in sex work culture. <laughs> like she used to be uh, like a quote unquote streetwalker that would you know have these kinds of clients and now she's she's working at a in a more uh she's working at an inn which is a more you know safer and quote-unquote respectable way to 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 do sex work um the real life sada abe moved from like geisha house to geisha house and eventually she fell into the lower ranking ones mm-hmm. and so um the whole reason that she came to Kichi's Inn and restaurant was because she was seeing an older professor who we are introduced to later in the film. And he was saying that she needed to get serious about her future and maybe like learn to run a restaurant. And so she finds herself at Kichi's place because she wants to learn the business. Right. And that's the setup so <laughs> interesting yeah and so so that that night she finds that old drunk and they have this kind of like gross <laughs> perfunctory tryst and there's already like so much so much genitalia and pubes already i mentioned pubic hair because that's not something that you often you don't you don't see that because of japanese censorship laws what I like about this interaction with the old man is that even though he he outs her and recognizes her as like a lower sex worker, she still has all the power. There are so many just like femdom power shots from where the camera is up and she's clearly like standing tall. And the fact that her the women with her push him off and she also pushes him off into the ice water and then like later on when he's trying to get it up and can't she's she's kind but also belittling yeah she's even like, when he asks when he's like well maybe if you show me your you know your your vagina and she's like what a pain you know yeah. like and but she does it right and the shock is still so powerful when she unfolds her kimono just like the frame of it is like well yeah this is you know like i got this and you're you're Here you go <laughs> Like, yeah, relatable. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get this over with. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the fellow geishas at the inn taunts Sada for, for being a whore. Uh, and they have a fight where Sada threatens to kill the woman. And this is when Kichi enters. He's got this, like, 
It's a dog or a a fox mask. Yeah. And he's carrying a branch with a lantern on it. Um, And I couldn't find the significance of these things. And I was wondering if you had any idea. So it's supposed to be implied that he came from a children's festival, which children show up a few times in the film uncomfortably towards the end. But mostly it's just to signify that while the film is about sex it's about like recreational recreational pleasurable sex and not like procreation so interesting that that his introduction is still tied to children it's not about to be anything about that right that's yeah that's interesting that's an interesting choice um he he meets Sada and he tells her that she has beautiful hands and <laughs> very sexy. And the next day, what, what were you going to say? I was going to say, and so when, when she quarrels with the other woman, who's like, you're a whore. And she's like, Oh, you think you're better than me? She picks up a knife. So there's already like the introduction of like Sada is violent and Sada will cut a bitch. Yes. Um, but Kichi, he grabs her hand and he says, why hold a knife when you could be holding something else? And I love how already like flirtatious and mischievous and and dashing and clearly very interested in her he is. And that's also like one of the first scenes where you see how intimate things are going to be with them because it's the first time he touches her, he grabs her chin. And it's so like everything is already so like tactile. There's an immediate connection. It's fucking hot it's really hot. i'm like getting chills with you talking about it because this movie is just so hot like their <laughs> their relationship is just like just electric uh and the next day while sada is cleaning uh she's bent over and kichi comments on her ass like oh great view <laughs> and he in- inquires about her romantic history and he this is when he like starts to like playfully molest her and try and seduce her but she she also recipro- reciprocates the flirtation in the yes. scene because when he's saying like nice view don't stop she backs into his hand she backs yes. into his hand yeah she's into it yeah <laughs> and she like initially rejects his advances um and there, this is also when I noticed that Kichi is like always singing. He, he's there. He's very. What do you make of that as part of his character? Um. So, as someone who uses a lot of music in my performance art, and as someone who my the person that I'm obsessed with that the graphic novel is about, he's a music video star, and so I um I just see. So I know in my work, I use music to convey the themes and a lot of the music in in the realm of the senses, while Western viewers might find it difficult, I see it honestly as very contemporary. It just underscores the scene. Like my, my favorite lyric, as far as the music goes, um, occurs in a later scene in the um, food play scene. That song starts with, a woman's pussy is her capital city. And 
Amazing. And then all kinds, of, yeah, all kinds of stuff happens then. But sorry, that's like skipping ahead. So no, yeah, I mean, there's there's great lyrics in this film, and they kind of they really underscore what's going on in the scene. So uh, Sada serves Kichi drinks in his room, where again he, you know, sexually molests her. Um, but is it is very evident that she is interested, and the two of them have sex for the first time, where Sada is on top, where she's often on top, and a a geisha comes for Kichi. For a geisha for Kichi comes to the door. This happens a lot in the film, um, and. I was just looking into like the function of geishas in inns at this time, and it's like a very complicated system that is too is too complex to <laughs> summarize here. Um, but I just found that whole culture very interesting, and and also is used to highlight how Kichi is in this world of women. Like it's not really his world even though he is the innkeeper and sada does call him master as far as the functions of the geisha um as they relate to sada and kichi sada was very like she has a very chic contemporary woman and in her interrogation she's always like well you know i went here and i had two beers and i smoked some cigarettes and then i went shopping and then i got bored so i called the geisha to entertain me geisha to her and um kichi they were just entertainment. It's not like they could pull up, you know, they can't go like, hey, Siri, play Jeremy's all the time or whatever. <laughs> yeah. They were they were there to entertain them and get them in the mood, like like our current Spotify fuck playlists. Yeah, you know? like That's, fucking porn yeah. or anything. Like, yeah, it's it's really and also that's that's very cool that she was like, yeah, I was having a cigarette, saw a geisha, like, <laughs> I, I, I love it. Um, she, the, the extramarital affairs, like, between the Kichi and it's just not a thing. Um, like, it's not something you have to hide, it seems like, in this, the world of the film, um, at least. It's not a shameful thing. Um, and Kichi and Sada have another tryst where Kichi encourages Sada to not be so frantic and to take her time. And he says, I want you to feel good. Your pleasure is enough, um, which is very indicative of how he will be for the whole film in regards to Sada's pleasure. Um, this is when, also when I noticed that Sada has a scorpion tattoo on her ear. And I could find, like, I could find that the the symbol of the scorpion generally, but I was wondering if you knew anything about, like, specifically scorpion tattoos and in, so, in Japan. Right. Um... So that tattoo isn't uh, the historical Sada Abe didn't have that tattoo, but the actress had that tattoo, and it was from her time uh, in an experimental theater troupe. So they just decided not to cover it up because uh, they felt that it indicated, uh, as Kichi says at one point in the film, "You're a woman with a past, aren't you?" And they felt that it was a nice detail that mm. um, signified that. Yeah, to- totally. I love and I love that. I just love that little detail. And um, 
I would love to read more about tattoos specifically in Japanese film because there is so much there. Uh, Sada questions Kichi about whether he will make love to his wife later. Um, she says, I won't let you go until you've come. So she's already become quite possessive. There's that amazing full-on blowjob scene uh, where he comes in her mouth and you see the cum coming out of her mouth. Um, and dripping down her chin yes. as she gazes at him intently. I yes. fucking love it. It's, yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. Uh, another scene where Sada is riding Kichi while she's playing a um, samisen, um, which is a traditional geisha instrument, string instrument, and she's singing. Um, it's the song is like it's a prostitute's life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, like I just kind of love like the old school kind of like kabuki theater of it, like, you know, kind of narrating like what is actually happening through song. Um, Speaking so- of the theatricality, as far as like how the film is shot, it's it is shot almost like a stage production. There are a lot of static, I would say like medium long shots it is the, the close-ups that lend um, the film its intimate feeling. But yeah, most of it is shot from afar. So you get a sense of the space. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's very claustrophobic, just kind of mm-hmm. like a stage play, uh, mm-hmm. like very taking place in a set number of locations. Right. Um, it's not like a sweeping – You like you're, you're, there are a lot of interiors. Right. Um, Sada spies on Kichi's wife giving him a hair trim and approaches and asks to be given permission to leave the inn's employment Uh, she can't she can't handle it she's jealous and she runs to get the innkeeper's wife this bowl and when she comes back they're fucking (laughs) and uh, while they're fucking the wife tells Sada she doesn't want her to leave the inn because she's satisfied with her work (laughs) You're very well behaved. There's yeah. no reason for you to leave us. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's so crazy. I was just like, I wonder what, yeah, I just, I was just so, like, I was wondering what the function of that scene was. Um, to highlight Sada's jealousy, because that's also the first time you see her hallucination where she she imagines herself stabbing the wife in the neck with the razor. Yes, you're right. I forgot to write that down. Yeah, she's so jealous. Yeah, that she she um, has this fantasy. Uh, Kichi and Sada travel to another inn for the, a private trip. There's this scene where they're they're going there, and um, she says she's got her period, and he puts his hand in her pussy and licks her period blood, just like a real one. Um, indicates that Kichi is very much about that life. <laughs> like, he doesn't give a fuck. He's like, yeah, no, we're still fucking. <laughs> uh, Kichi, he undresses Sada in their room very lovingly, praising her body. 
one of the inn workers is spying on their passion and interrupts them to bring them sake. And that evening, which is, I think, my favorite scene in the movie, um, a group of geisha facilitate a, a ceremony for Kichi and Sada, which is like a kind of informal marriage. Um, there's this really beautiful costuming. And uh, there... You know, Kichi says, tonight is our wedding, so please rejoice with us, all of you. And this is when the geisha watch as Kichi fucks Sada. And as that's happening, uh, the, the women say, Kosome, it's your turn. It's it's your turn. And the geisha start to mol- molest what seems to be the youngest, maybe most inexperienced geisha. And they fuck her. In a way, with a bird dildo, with a bird dildo, <laughs> yeah. Uh, in a way that like mimics how Kichi is fucking Sada, and it's just incredible. <laughs> like it's this just like beautiful sexual celebration. There's this crazy old guy dancing. <laughs> like it's an orgy with its own dancer. <laughs> like it's. We should all be so lucky. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and Kichi is just like the luckiest dude on earth at, in this scene. And like, it's, yeah, and it's very, it's just very beautiful. Like, all of the women are eating each other out. Sada's giving Kichi a, a blowjob, very loving blowjob. And there's, the, the Sada and Kichi are like after this wedding scene. Um, Sada and Kichi are they're like binging on sex, so they're, you know, they're they're just. This is when it starts. They're they're fucking all the time, and you start to kind of lose track of time. And Sada tries to get Kichi to urinate inside of her. Um, they also have this conversation where she, he says, "Are you always wet?" And she says, I went to see a doctor. And he said, I'm acutely sensitive. I love the emphasis on her desire. I really do. Uh, Outside the inn, Kichi says that the only time his dick gets a rest is when he needs to piss. And Sada says she owns his dick. It's, It's just so good. And like sits on it in front of this old lady outside who I love it because she's just like, oh, you kids. Like <laughs> While they're fucking, Kichi like kind of shouts at her like, oh, hey, you're full of spunk, granny. And she's like, I am with you two here. <laughs> it's so <laughs> great. It's very celebratory, this entire movie of sex. Yeah. One of the uh, in women delivers sake to Sada and Kichi and banters with them about how none of the younger girls will wait on them because they're always fucking. And uh, Sada is now she's telling Kichi that she's going to leave for a bit because she's going to see an old client because they need the money. And that is the professor that you were mentioning earlier. Um, Kichi takes He's he's so upset by this. He takes Sada from behind in front of this woman there with no regard for her presence. And the woman just leaves. And oh, she's like, she says something like, it's such a cruel thing to tempt a woman of my age with yes. this. Like, <laughs> it's not 
even like oh my god how dare you fuck in front of me it's just like god damn it like (laughs) she's jealous uh and sada uh takes kichi's kimono with her so that he can't leave the inn uh and she gives him her robe and she she takes the train to go see her trick and on the train, she like goes into the bathroom of the train and she smells the kimono, longing for him. And back at the inn, um, the inn woman from before, she's waiting on this on a forlorn Kichi and tells him that Sada will end up killing him. And then we get one of the more difficult moments of the film where um not I wrote I wrote Sada here, but it, Kichi rapes her. Um, or is what I interpret as rape. Um, I, I don't really, I don't quite consider it rape because depending on the type of inn that they were at, if the woman was a geisha against certain lower geisha, not all the geisha, they were supposed to be there for sex if that's mm. what the customer wanted. So right. it's, it's basically they're there to serve in any way. Right. So it's like an implied blanket consent. <laughs> Right, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's more. I re- yeah. Then I looking at it more that way, um, which is also like really, it's really important because I'm coming at the, I'm coming to these films from a Western perspective, and it is really important to to watch and remember that you cannot bring that gaze to it. Um, like you just, you know, telling me that 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 is something that is not like a westernized, you know, attitude towards this interaction. Um, and in yeah, there's just I'm just reflecting on my own biases and in, in watching the film. So. Uh, where am I at with my? Okay, so Sada and I, yeah, I'm reading that interaction too. Is like, you know, he's, you know, he, it, it, maybe Kichi trying to like take back control of his dick or something, or you know, like. I mean, he felt a strong connection to Sada too so I think it was just horniness desperation and sadness right right there were no flashlights back in the day this is the next best thing right to get in there so right and Um, also you know her kind of saying like oh she's gonna kill you why don't you run away she right right. he's pissed (laughs) yeah that's that's his uh that's his lady so Sada lies in bed with her client um, who can't get he can't get hard uh-uh. and <laughs> been there <laughs> and she, uh, she snuggles up to him um you know saying that she really likes and respects him um and then suddenly something like overtakes her and she makes him slap her and pinch her nipples and um, I guess I interpret this as like she's feeling this guilt that she's with another man who isn't Kichi and she needs to be brutalized. And like on the other end of that, Kichi needs to to brutalize or maybe brutalize is a very strong word. But they're, you know, in in her kind of like 
state, she wants violence enacted on her, and Kichi wants to like control or you know fuck some someone. Um, I also interpreted that scene as she just wants. I mean, after being with Kichi, and now she's with this significantly older man perhaps she just wants evidence of his virility like mm. show me that you have something you know don't just don't just lie there right yeah, that's you know. it yeah that's interesting too it's like yeah yeah exactly what you said like after being in such a passionate relationship you know it's like going from that to this is quite an experience uh the the pain it kind of inflames Sada's passion, and then she, you know, gets on top of her client and rides him with enthusiasm. And Sada returns to Kichi, and they embrace very enthusiastically. And she says, "I have money," and he says, "Let's go spend it." <laughs> so mood. <laughs> uh, Post coital, Kichi asks Sada how it was with the with the professor with the trick, and. She says he couldn't get hard and that she thought of Kichi and went into hysterics, um, asking him to slap her. And then Kichi commands Sada to slap him harder and harder across the face. And this inflames their passion again. And they and they fuck. Uh, and Sada cries in Kichi's arms. Uh, and then we have the scene where the, the food play scene where Sada uh, sticks a mushroom in her vagina and then feeds it to Kichi as a geisha plays for them. And you said that this is actually directly f- from Sada's confession. Oh, yeah, they did this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, so in, in the scene in the film, she says, they say true love means eating food dipped in your lover's juices. And then she takes a pair of chopsticks, takes the shiitake mushroom out of the broth, sticks it in her vagina, and he eats it. They eat it, you know. Um, I think in her transcript, she says he initiated that. But again, because the film is so centered around her pleasure, I like that um her character initiates in this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then Kichi like kind of runs with it and starts sticking more food in her vagina and eating it. Yeah. Finally, culminating in this close-up shot of him sticking an egg inside of her, which she begs him to take out, but he has her like squat and push the egg out of her, and um, she's kind of like fake upset and <laughs> in revenge holds a knife to Kichi's dick as they have sex. And threatens to cut it off so he can't go home and and fuck his wife. And she says, I want to cut it off inside me. And he's like, all right, go ahead. (laughs) Uh, And uh, he he says, I promise to set you up in a small inn. And she says, I don't want to be your mistress. And he says, Uh Sada, if we lived together, I'd be reduced to a skeleton. (laughs) So this detail of her setting up an inn, again, this is from the transcript where basically he, she was a little frustrated with him because he didn't want to leave his wife because they ran a business together. He didn't feel anything for her. She had cheated on him. And that's why he was so open about his womanizing. He just felt like, well, there's just, 
you know, like, uh, culturally men could just fuck whoever, but there's just something, it's such an affront when a woman cheats on a man. Mm -hmm. So, um, but he, he wanted to be with Sada for a long time again with her as his side bitch. He just thought that maybe if she, if she started her own business, then, you know, he would have a place to go and that wasn't at at home at the business with his wife. Right. Um, He thought that they could sustain themselves that way. Because uh, as you mentioned in the earlier scene where as soon as she got money, he was like, let's spend it. They were very frivolous about spending their money. They're just, they wanted to have a good time. So. Hey, that's my life philosophy. (laughs) I I like, I think this is why I love their characters so much is they're just like YOLO. Like let's, Mm -hmm. you know, we have money now. Let's, fuck and drink and have a good time <laughs> harass strangers <laughs> on mm-hmm. the street sada cuts off a tuft of kichi's pubic hair and eats it uh again sada threatens kichi into saying he'll never make love to his wife again and um there there's like this really beautiful scene where they're walking in the rain together under this parasol and they bully a woman together by chasing her. And, uh, you know, she says, why don't you make love to her? And he says, she's not my type. And this is when we start seeing their, like, carelessness about other people, um, which to me indicates that they're lost in each other. They're not occupied with anyone else outside of each other. And they're descending into depravity. They're, they start, they're starting to not see anybody outside their relationship as they, – they don't care. They only care about each other. Well, when you build that sex cocoon, right. it's hard to leave the sex cocoon. <laughs> right. And – Sada taunts a vendor also by flashing him. She says, you can have me if you give us a drink. Um, And then one of my favorite moments where Kichi eats Sada out in the rain as she says, never leave me. Uh, This is the scene I notice always kind of disturbs people. The next scene um, where Sada is playing with the naked children at the inn. And she attacks the little boy pulling on his penis. So I wanted to hear your thoughts a little bit about this scene. If you have any. That seems a little difficult for me also. Um, So I guess just because I... I have my own experiences with childhood trauma and a lot of uh, people in my life are survivors of childhood sexual assault. Like I'm not, I don't want to um, undermine what anybody else might be feeling about this scene, but within the context of the film, I think it just shows that uh, none of the other men in Sada's life or like in, in her view, are as as masculine as Kichi to her. Because again, every other dick that we see, even in the, the sequence with the food vendor, when she taunts him, he says, oh, my dick isn't good for anything but peeing anymore. So literally everybody else, every other man in the film is shown as impotent except for Kichi. Right. 
So, I mean, the, the old bum can't get it up. Her older professor lover is also inadequate in bed. Every, literally every other man has like erectile function issues. And even this little boy, like doesn't mean anything to her. It's nothing, you know, like, so yeah, it could also be, um, maybe it's serving to highlight her, her preoccupation with male genitalia or, or again, uh, it's a, it's ominous because it foreshadows what is to come. Like, yeah. 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 That's sort of what I was thinking. And again, shows their, the disregard, that they have for the bodies of other people at this point um, and foreshadowing the the castration, which everybody, pe- the people who were watching this film would have been familiar with the, the story. Um, so that is, yeah, that's, yeah, a lot of people find this scene uh, really upsetting. I couldn't find anything about the children specifically and um how this scene was handled or how it came to be um it's always hard on this podcast to talk about children's sexuality um and representation in film um just because i am of the belief that Things that happen in life need to be explored in film and child sexual abuse happens in life. Um, And yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's almost I wouldn't take the scene out of the film, even though it is upsetting. It it really adds to the way that we're supposed to be looking at the characters at this point is like they're she's just not rational at this point right. anymore. Um, and- I think it also, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, yeah. I think it also once again serves to affirm that the sex that they're having is for recreation, not procreation. So to like every time there are children in the movie of which there are only there a few times, it's just, to show, well, I mean, normally people or whatever heterosexual couples have sex and they make babies, but that is not what Sada and Kichi are doing. Right, so. right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, all of that. Uh, so back at the the home inn, the wife startles Kichi while he's shaving and um, and asks if he's going to go back to Sada and uh, he cuts himself and bleeds and, and she licks it. <laughs> And these women just, like, want to consume him. <laughs> uh, Kichi is singing again and his, as his wife bathes him. And she straddles Kichi and they have sex, even though he promised Sada that he would not. Um, and Kichi goes back to Sada, who accosts him with a knife, brandishing it at him, questioning if he had sex with his wife. She says, you think I'm crazy because I can't stop thinking about you. <laughs> and... It, it's interesting because in the beginning of their relationship, Kichi was more of the aggressor, and now Sada is definitely the aggressor, like holding a blade to his erect penis. Uh, but he only smiles and says, give him a good punishing. And he begs her forgiveness while he's inside of her. Uh, they experiment with choking each other, which is, I think, maybe the hottest scene in the movie. Um, I was also noticing that 
the actress has these scars on her stomach, um, which the actress probably just had, but um, they, in this context, like I was thinking about sex work and um, how this could imply like some kind of abortion or um, child like, miscarriage or yeah something. Her body is um, it's beautiful, but it's marked with the things that she's experienced in her life. Right. So one of the in workers comes in and says that no geisha will come in because of their reputation and sada naked attacks her and slapping her over and over she's like totally lost it kichi holds her back and she says i want you to fuck her and kichi like talks her out of it um but but then the the couple has sex as an older geisha plays for them and Sada talks to her while they have sex. And she says, you don't mind? And she says, it's a feast for the eyes. <laughs> and Sada asks the older geisha to let Kichi make love to her. And Kichi and the older woman, this is maybe one of the very few sex scenes in film where I've ever seen an older woman. Um, Kichi and the older woman have sex while Sada watches. Sada actually asked the older woman if if she wants to fuck Kichi, and there's a twinkle in her eye. I love it. I do too. All about. She's like, I want to (laughs) watch. I want to see. And while the old lady is passed out afterwards, they talk about their dead mothers, which is heavily symbolic um, in relation to this older geisha, and. Sada says, let's be happy together forever. She goes to see the professor again who dismisses her because he says she smells like a dead rat. So all of the things that are happening are like indicating that Sada is completely like engrossed in this relationship and has is like maybe neglecting her hygiene. Like she's, you know, she's going down this like twisted little rabbit hole completely. Uh, I was. This was interesting to me, where she asks the professor if they can go away together, and he says, "If anyone knew they were together, he'd shoot himself." I was wondering, like, what do we make of this about her relationship with him? So he was a member of the historical figure that that character is based on was some um, a member of the the Diet, the Japanese Parliament, um, or, uh, and a city council member, and just an upstanding member of society. Sada describes him as that, and I know, like at one point, Kichi just jokes about it, like, "Oh, you like him upstanding, don't you?" And uh, you know, she's. I believe in that scene when she's riding him or whatever. There are lots of jokes about being upstanding in this film. <laughs> so many boner jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I think that the sequence helps us align emotionally with Kichi. Like he he loves Sada. He doesn't disrespect her like that. And it doesn't matter to him that she's a woman with a past. He's so he's so enamored of her, whereas this other man is still too cautious, doesn't want to be seen public, publicly with her, doesn't want to acknowledge her publicly. It's a, you know, a difficult situation for any woman, especially someone who has done sex work, to be in. Like, it's, you know, 
That's I really like that interpretation of just every man being there to contrast with Kichi. Um, and yeah, like Kichi is not ashamed of Sada. Like he, when she brings money back from having done sex work, he's like, let's spend it. Like it's, it's not, yeah, there's no, there's no shame there. Uh, there is that scene where Kichi is like walking down the street and with like a smile on his lips, probably thinking about Sada and he passes these military soldiers, um, which Oshima saw the Sada incident as symptomatic of the madness of this era, um, like which I believe the, the case happens in 1936. Um, yes. And which is, uh, if I'm correct, the Showa era. Um, and it occurred. A few, so the incident occurred a few months after the thwarted military coup known as uh, Nai Nai Roku. 226, named after the date it took place, 26th February 1936. So this this scene with this nod to that is is reflecting the politics of the time. Um and you know, showing the the turmoil of the era. It's also to show how um, disinterested Kichi and Sada in, uh, uh, sorry, it's also to show how disinterested Kichi and Sada are about the politics of the time. Like the country was veering towards nationalism, but they were all about themselves, um, which is for a, a country that is not exactly about individualism. I mean, it's so subversive. They were very, very subversive. Um, Absolutely. That's part of why she was viewed as such a national hero in Japan, because everything she was about was so completely different from what was going on at the time. She was just, I don't know. There's something about her that's still so contemporary and so modern. Yeah. There's something about that's so contemporary and modern absolutely and i um yeah and i have a thought but i'll bring it up at the at the end when the actual castration happens uh so she tackles uh when she when he returns back to their room sada tackles kichi with a knife and he says he only went out for a haircut (laughs) and kichi just kind of like rolls with her insanity like he's really not phased by it (laughs) and Sada takes off this gorgeous purple kimono to reveal a red kimono. Uh, my favorite outfit change of the film. Uh, she's got this knife between her teeth and this like very iconic shot. And she mounts Kichi. And he laughs. And, and she says, do you want me to strangle you? And he says, no, but if it gives you pleasure. And they, there's like some explicit penetration. Uh, and Sada rides Kichi while strangling him with the purple uh, robe sash. And he, Kichi implores her to pull tighter with the sash. And then Sada ties his hands together. So like you were saying, the real uh, Kichi and Sada, like they did start to get into BDSM. Mm-hmm. And she ties his hands together. She's strangling him. She really enjoys strangling him. <laughs> 
uh, in the interrogation record, they made her identify all the sash cords. And she was like, oh, yes, this peach one is when I strangled him on February 16th. This purple one was when I did this on this date. It's pretty wild. I'm obsessed with that. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And like, the we haven't even talked about like color symbolism in this film. There's just so much, there's so much color. And uh, yeah, the purple and revealing the red uh, and like how her emotional state changes depending on what color she's in. Right. Uh, and he says this goes on forever where she's like riding him and strangling him and he says don't worry about me just enjoy yourself and she says even if i kill you and he consents and sada keeps strangling him and riding him uh and she orgasms and they embrace and later kichi tells sada to get on top of him again even if he can't keep it up and he begins to fall asleep as they have sex like totally spent he tells Sada that if she strangles him again, don't stop this time. It's too painful afterwards. And she ties the kimono cord around his neck carefully and warns him before she's about to strangle him. And she has this like hallucination um, in the where she's in the this amphitheater. And this is like the only, this is the only, this is the second incident I can think of where there's like a departure from reality. And the, the other one I'm thinking of is the one earlier where she's fantasizing about slicing the wife's neck. Um, and I was, the, we've talked about this movie being very like theater based. So it's interesting that that happens. There's this amphitheater scene and there's also the children again playing Ready or Not. Um, and I was wondering if you had any thoughts about this scene. I think as far as the fantasy, there's this contrast between the, the innocence that it depicts. Well, I mean, it's not even quite because in this outdoor amphitheater, she's on a slab masturbating, right? right? kids are running around her they're not even paying attention to her um i feel like it's the culmination of all of these things we've been talking about like it's you know that kind of the the, the being on display the theatrical nature of the of the entire film and then the you know she's also like it's 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 interesting too because in this moment she's always so present in her sex scenes and with Kichi and this is like the one moment where she like leaves and it's, she disassociates. Yes. I part of me read the scene as again so she was raped when she was young and so I think there's something about it that to me conveys a sort of innocence lost like she's a woman living this life now but. She could have been, you know, she came from, I would say, kind of a middle class family and her mom, her mom spoiled her, like gave her everything she wanted. And even when she was raped, the mom was like, oh, just the mom was trying to downplay it. She gave her, you know, like musical instruments and new clothes and everything. And she always said it was going to be fine. But Sada knew, you know, nobody, nobody would want to marry her, touch her, be with her because she was, she was tarnished. Mm -hmm. 
in the eyes of the culture at that time. And I don't know. I think in her head, as much as she wanted to be with Kichi and as much as she wanted a future together, there's the sense that she couldn't have that. So all of these things, like seeing the the children, it's not just the loss of her innocence, but also the, the loss of a prospect for a future. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we're back in the room. And Sada's back from her fantasy and she has killed Kichi and she's in shock. Um, and the other thing I wanted to talk about in the scene is Kichi's consenting to death. And I find this like extremely subversive, obviously. And like you were saying earlier, this individualism, this right to be destroyed by sex and how controversial that's that idea still is of like wanting or or consenting to be totally destroyed um and yeah i don't really have any I, i don't have more to say about that but i'm just it's just something i am thinking about it is the consent aspect of it as it is portrayed in the film regardless of how it was in real life so she takes a knife and she castrates him and it's extremely graphic um we see it happen <laughs> and she writes in blood on his body right is sada and kichi forever yeah and this voiceover tells of how sada carried his organ all over japan in her purse with a serene look on her face um is there anything else about the case that you wanted to to say that the film ends here um and it is just yeah one of the most jarring endings because it's been so loving in so many ways but there has also been a lot of foreshadowing about it so it's not it's like a surprise but it's also not it's it's so shocking and graphic, but it's also like you've kind of been waiting for it the whole time. I love the ending, despite Oshima's clinical narration at the end, which is very like, well, I'm a historian now, and here's how we're going to excuse the film, and maybe this will get it by the censors because right. I'm saying this is history. Right, right. Um, But you know, to me, the ending is so beautiful. And when I think about it, I also think about other real life similar cases or like couples who who did similar things. So say like Sid and Nancy, how vicious notoriously in, in real life and in the film carved Nancy's name on his chest. Like he cut into himself. I think about like Amy Winehouse and Blake, how they would they would cut into each other and shit like that all the time. But it's just more cases of historical obsessive love that I just think are so beautiful and wonderful to be like so brazen about each other's about each other and your affection to the other person and yeah sorry right. i just <laughs> no i mean it's like there's so much to gush over in this film i mean the the thing that was that was striking me was the act of castration as like the final act of worship because she can't bear to be parted with his penis whereas um 
there's so many horror and exploitation films where castration is like a, a revenge. Um, the woman's, the rape victim's vengeance. Um, or I'm even thinking about like a Western example of Lorena Bobbitt. Um, like that, that's very much about like the woman's, the, the, the battered woman like takes revenge. And this is such a different uh, portrayal of castration um, where um, and I actually like I don't know what the technical word is because I think castration is technically only cutting off somebody's testicles. Balls, yeah. yeah. So there has to be an, another word for when you cut off the whole thing. But it's yeah, dismemberment. It's, dismemberment. I mean, yeah, it is. It is, it is, it is <laughs> yeah. Um, in in the interrogation, she said that. I mean, again, she. She was very irritated that people, because of this, saw her as a pervert or a sex maniac or anything. And she was like, you know, if you if you know anything about my history, that should answer the question for you. And by that, she meant, you know, like, I was a rape victim. I have been through all of this fucking shit. Like, no, I really cared about this man. And she said that she did it because... Again, she loved him very much, and she wanted to keep the part of him that was most important to her. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. And that's why this portrayal of a penis being cut off is so different than so many other films where this extremely taboo thing is depicted. Um, so... That was in the realm of the senses. I loved talking about this film with you. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you for having me. Where can everybody find you on social media? I'm on Twitter at Donna Yuwana, and I'm on Instagram at Donica Uskert, which um, I guess I can spell it. It's D-A-N-I-C-A-U-S-K-E-R-T. My website is filmandfishnet.com. And I'm also on TikTok, but I don't need to plug that. (laughs) I love that you're on TikTok. (laughs) I'm still trying to understand TikTok, but I very much enjoy looking at the app. Um, so yeah, everybody follow Donica. Um, I, I will tag you when I, when I publish the episode. Um, and you know where to find me, Girls Guts Giallo, Twitter and Instagram, patreon.com slash Girls Guts Giallo. And this ends my month long dive into Japanese sex cinema. And thank you again, Donica. Thank you. Thank you.